Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Life Series, Part 2, by Tattooed Laura on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. Chapter 18, Cooking. The next three days were a blur for Scully. She had to leave Mulder home with Maggie as well as the children. Scared and scarred, but attempting to front with calm that gave them away as frightened of their own shadows and everything else in the world. The four parents couldn't get home without paying exorbitant amounts of money and dealing with three days of layover, circuitous route travel, so it was Sam, brave heart and soul, whom, that first morning after Scully went to work, spoke for the group, relaying the firm and utterly untrue message of, We are fine, and we will see you when you get back. Maggie watched him deliver his lie to speakerphone anxious parents, then hang up, tears shining but unfallen, as he sniffed hard, turning to regard everyone shorter than him. We're going to stop crying about our parents. They are on vacation, and they need it. So we're going to let them stay on it. Understand? Every one of them, four to eight, nodded solemnly, wiping tears with small fists, and sleeving running noses until they looked ready for the world again. Jake speaking first. We should make dinner. So, out of left field with that one, the rest agreed, moving Uncle Muddler boldly into the kitchen and making a list of foods they needed from the store. They searched cupboards and opened cabinets and debated courses and meats and sides and salads and desserts until they were all starving and drooling and desperate for sustenance. They ate PB&J sandwiches before Mulder and the other two trooped to the store, list in hand and concrete promises that they would not deviate without the sole and express permission of the other three by way of phone call. Then they cooked, mashed, steamed, buttered, salted, baked, and boiled until the entire house smelled delectable, and Toby decided that Aunt Dana should come home right then so she could smell the food and eat with them. Mulder gently told him there was a good chance she wouldn't be home for several days, so he instead asked to call her and let her know what they'd made for dinner. It was then that Toby popped up on the counter and looked him squarely in the eye, as all men do. If we call her right now and tell her we made pot roast and smashed potatoes and garlic bread, she will immediately quit her job and come home to dinner and eat it all, and we will have none. How about we make her a plate, and if she gets home tonight and you're awake, you can help me heat it up for her. Otherwise, she'll have it when she gets here. Toby accepted this and nodded, sliding down to the floor and going to inform the rest of them that they had to save Aunt Dana a plate. Mulder hung his head for a moment, hands firmly on the counter holding him, floor staring up cheerfully with its polished shine that defied the hundreds of feet that passed over it daily. He wasn't the only one who wanted to call her. He was exhausted by the end of the evening. Helping Maggie, bathing small children, telling non-scary stories to them all, before getting them to remain in their own beds, upstairs and together, with bribes of stacked pancakes and bacon in the morning. One ear on the sleepers, he pulled open the sofa bed and sat down, lacking will and energy to do more than stare at the wall for several minutes, before finally losing the battle. Picking up the house phone, he dialed her, wondering which Scully would answer. Hi. 
That threw him off immediately. Scully. As she stood in the locker room, forehead against the cool metal of her temporary clotheskeeper, looking down at her messy scrubs and stained shoes. Tell me again why I'm a doctor who works for the FBI. His voice, tired, strong, satin, soothing. Because you are you and love your job 99% of the time. Normally, she held it together just fine. Tornadoes, flesh eaters, homicidal cats. Weirdest shit in the history of the world. But that second in time, connected only by sound and not touch, she wavered. Words cracked, syllables quavered. I want a hug. He fought the urge to get in the car. Muscles coiled to drive. Foot already pressing the accelerator. I can't come down to give you one. I'm sorry. She could hear the anguish in his voice at not being able to give her what she asked, and it made her feel modicum better, knowing he would if he had any means possible. It's okay. You can't leave right now. Turning, she sat on the wooden bench between rows. Tell me something good from today instead. Mulder, in racking brain fashion, took a moment to unearth something, anything to make her smile. Hannah discovered that if you tickle Toby just as he's breathing in, he belches. Her laugh echoed, bouncing off silent walls, giving her enough of a boost not to cry the rest of her life away. How did she discover that? Total accident. I finally had to make her stop before Toby booted all over the countertop. Booted? Puked. Vomited. Heaved. Tossed cookies? I'm branching out with my verbs. Don't fence me in. Did you get them all hugs from me? She craved any news of home. Anything not related to burned flesh and dead friends. Did you get them all to sleep upstairs, or are they down with you still? Mulder answered, continuing the conversation for another ten minutes, until Scully interrupted him. Hang on. Coming back on the line a second later. That was the tech, saying the room is clean and... Her trailing off told him the next victim was on the table, and she had to go back to work. I love you, and I'll call you tomorrow morning. Maybe bring you some breakfast if you'd like. The thought of food turned her stomach and wincing. How about another phone call, if I'm not home yet? I don't know that I can handle actual food right now. Maybe I'll just bring you some more crackers and yogurt. She packed a cooler full of them that morning eating only when her body told her it was calories or collapse. I'd like that, and I love you too. He wanted to ask her who she'd identified so far, but his heart couldn't take it. Not this late in the evening, so he left it hanging there, a question floating aimlessly in the atmosphere, to be plucked down and answered sometime in the future. Scully heard the unasked. Good night, Mulder. Night, Scully. He didn't sleep listening for nightmares from all corners of the house, anticipation driving away rest, a blurry-eyed, clumsy molder welcoming the day and somewhat better-rested children at 7 a.m. He burned the pancakes. He undercooked the bacon. He spilled the milk and dropped the plates. He tripped the Sam. He elbowed the Betsy. He felt so bad he gave them all brownies for dessert and vowed to take them to the movies for double features and extra-large popcorns. Sam patted him on the back, and told him to go take a nap, that he would get the dishes done, and after Maggie volunteered to spearhead any and all activities for the next few hours, Mulder crashed on Scully's old bed upstairs. 
Sam's, presently, snoring before hitting the sheets. That second night, around eight, with children tired and yawning, with Maggie insisting and Betty prodding, he packed up food and headed out into the night. Scully sat quietly against the wall, hidden from view, head back, eyes closed, nearly feeling bad about her television doctor chic posture and expression, but nearly wasn't enough. And since she'd opted not to give a shit about her appearance, after 48 hours straight of identifying bodies, she remained in the dark, wallowing in misery-filled solitude. Until large, Jim shoe esconed feet appeared in front of her, shoes at the end of skinny legs and low riding white socks. Crouchy Mulder came into view a moment later, stack of Tupperware settling on the floor, hand moving to grip her knee, eyes sad, worried, concerned. Take your descriptive pick, whispering into her forehead as he leaned into her. The kids made you dinner. That, of all things, made her cry. Just one solitary tear, but still, she wiped angrily at it, reminding Mulder of her nephews and nieces. They made me dinner. You didn't get to eat what they made yesterday, so they cooked again today, and said I had to bring it to you. Maggie and Betty joined in, and the pressure was too much, and here I am. I left your mom in charge with Betty as backup, so I imagine there'll be a card party going in about ten minutes. He could see the second tier revving up at the thought of home and ignoring food and passers-by. He sat down beside her, pulling head to shoulder, lips grazing hair, remaining against her, warm breath into the crown of her head. I'm so sorry I couldn't come earlier. Shifting, she disregarded the cold tiles and scooted until she was lying with her head on his thigh. Dirty floor be damned. I'm so tired, Mulder. Hand now on shoulder, he rubbed his thumb over the roundness, trailing her collarbone every so often. Do you want to go find a couch? Something to lie down on? No answer came. He sat there patiently, unmoving, unruffled, unapologetic, to the few weary technicians and personnel that walked quietly by, several whispering offers of a futon down the hall or a spare pull-out bed, but he declined, murmuring that they were just fine. Chapter 19. Rickety Tables Skinner woke him up. Mulder startled, which caused Scully to jerk but not wake up. Remaining in dreamland a few more minutes, as Skinner crouched in front of him. How's she doing? Exhausted. Hungry. Not hungry. Wishing she were your average day, sane librarian, or candle saleswoman. Skinner blinked but didn't smile. I'll find that funny in a few weeks. What are you doing down here? How are the kids? Squeezing his partner's upper arm lightly. She needed real food, and a reminder that the world still exists outside the walls. And seeing him anxiously waiting. And the kids are doing okay. Few bad dreams here and there, but I've got them talking to me and Maggie and each other, so I think they'll be okay in the long run. Taking in his boss with a critical eye. How are you? We don't talk about me, Mulder. We will when you come over for dinner, tonight, or tomorrow. What time is it, anyways? Watch arm twisting. A little before ten. How long have you been sitting here? Stop changing the subject. You're coming over for dinner tomorrow night, regardless of what you think you have to do instead. Squinting. No arguing, Walter. 
You probably haven't eaten in a few days either. And I don't care if the world explodes around us. You need meatloaf. Skinner shadowed a smile at this point. Those scully women are rubbing off on you. And don't call me Walter. Okay, Walter. He stayed a few more minutes, long enough for Scully to wake up and groan as she moved, her muscles stiff from the cold floor. Sitting up, she blinked at her boss. You need a vacation, sir. See? She still calls me sir. Whatever, Walter. Scully stood next, leaning on the wall for a moment while she got her bearings. How are things going? Skinner shook his head. Do you really want to know? When she nodded, he told them. Mulder crawled under the blankets at 2 a.m., having finally, reluctantly, left Scully's side, first making her eat the pot roast and potatoes, warmed in the break room microwave, and consumed at a rickety table in uncomfortable plastic chairs, entirely too reminiscent of every damn hotel they'd ever stayed in on cases. She mentioned this, honestly comforted by the familiarity of it, and Skinner, who had taken them up on the offer to share the food, shrugged. I keep telling Mulder you two can spend a little more on hotels, maybe get them with a mattress less than 30 years old, but he keeps insisting on the Davy Crockett lodges of the world. Excuse me? Skinner finally smiled, realizing he started a fire and quietly filled his mouth with potatoes, shooting glances between his favorite pair. He watched them lightly spar, slinging pathetically deluded barbs at one another until he had to interrupt. I've seen you argue much better than this. Am I to expect that now you're a thing, that you'll be treating each other with kid gloves? Or is it just a now thing, and I'll be seeing fiery, raining hell from you both in the very near future? Scully laughed, her ears not used to the sound, and nudging Mulder on the table with her foot. I'll kick his ass both verbally and physically next week, sir whether he deserves it or not. That was my foot, Agent Scully. Oh, sorry, Walter. Skinner groaned, eyes closing as he blindly fed another forkful into his mouth. You too, really? Stuff happens, Walter. Be quiet, Mulder. Scully trudged into the house late that afternoon, instantly swarmed by littles and seeing their faces for the first time in almost three days. Her throat constricted, superimposing charred flesh onto cherubic countenances. Mulder watched her transform in a heartbeat, eyes widening, face paling, hands rigid, and he reached over short heads to take her shoulder. Come here, Scully. Kids, why don't you go back for a few minutes and let Aunt Dana relax, okay? We'll be there in a little bit. Betsy. Beautiful, blunt Betsy. From the land of five-year-old honesty. Turn Toby around. Aunt Dana wants to cry. We gotta go. Mulder ruffled her hair with his free hand as she skirted by them. Never grow up, Bets. Already following the crowd to the kitchen, she called a cheerful, okay, before disappearing through the door. Once alone, Mulder took Scully's face in his hands. Do you want to go upstairs for an epic breakdown, or can you hold it together enough to go outside with the crowd? It's up to you, and I'll follow you wherever you need to go. No judging, just hugs and possible kissing, depending on the level of snot running out of your nose. A gurgled, straining, pathetic chuckle emerged before she bit her lip. Upstairs, if you don't mind. Removing hands to hips, he turned her, 
waiting until she kicked her shoes off to move to the stairs. Lead on. The tears started on the fifth step, and by the time they'd invaded her old room, the floodgates broke, sobs into his shoulders soaking his shirt in seconds. Not sure if exhaustion played a role in her breaking, he held her close, waiting until her shuddering body came back under control. Did something else happen, or is it just three-day accumulation of the world is shit and I haven't slept at all? Leaving her forehead on his chest, she spoke so quietly he had to force his neck down to get his ear closer to her mouth. What? The last two days have been people I recognize names of, but have never met. But today, I ID'd Skinner's secretary, as well as that girl Holly from the pusher case, and Bill Tarkin from accounting. Mulder deflated, the air rushing from his lungs, as his shoulders sagged. Damn it. Did you tell Skinner yet? Scully shook her head into him. No. I should have told him when I found out, but I just... I couldn't do it. Not then. Pulling back, she looked at him. His jaw square. His stubble evident. But I should tonight. After dinner. Would you like me to? Kissing the dent in his chin. Yes, but I'll do it anyway. Eyes roaming over her face, taking in every possible and impossible detail. He landed on her lips. Washed out, cracked, chapped. I would like to marry you right now, please. Her palms slid up his sides, arms, shoulders, to cross in a hug behind his head. Can I at least shower first? Whispering in her ear. I'd take one with you if I could, but I imagine the gang needs some supervision. Not letting him go just yet. Where's mom? Out in the back as well, probably encouraging mischief and mayhem. One kiss below his ear. Go break up the tomfoolery while I clean up. I'll be down in a few. A critical look aimed in her direction. Are you sure? You can take as long as you need to. I got this parenting thing handled like you can't even imagine. Instead of the smile he hoped to elicit, a far-off look fluttered through her gaze. I know. Before she turned in his arms and headed to the hall. He would dwell on that look later. Chapter 20. Mr. Skimmer. Sam met Skinner at the door with an unapologetic hug, beating Betsy there by a few feet, who threw her arms around his leg once she arrived. Mr. Skimmer, I missed you. First giving Sam a good, hearty squeeze around the shoulders, he then picked up Betsy. I missed you too. Taking care of your aunts and uncle okay? Yeah, I cooked the corn for dinner. Setting her back down, then I will have to have a very large spoonful. He looked over their heads to find Scully standing against the wall. How's Aunt Dana doing? Scully dropped her head wearily, allowing her gaze to skirt the floor, guilt at unshared knowledge weighing heavily before she met his stare, nodding slowly. Tired, but standing for now. Can't ask for more than that. He saw something else, but filed it away for the moment. When do you have to go back? Later tonight. You? I shouldn't even be here, but Mulder ordered me to dinner in no uncertain terms. Sharing an upturned corner of her mouth in his direction. He does that, but I think I'll keep him anyway. Skinner returned his own pathetic attempt at a smile before looking down at the little crowd gathered round his legs. And how are all of you? 
Scully left them to their Mr. Skimmer conversations. While she moved to the kitchen, taking the handful of forks from Mulder, as he walked by with them. I can't do it tonight, Mulder. He already looks like he's had the hell beaten out of him. I can't add to that. Surrendering the silverware, he snagged the edge of her shirt, pulling her to a stop in front of him. He would rather hear it from you than some report listing names and heights next of kin. Believe me. She knew he was right, but the lack of sleep and sheer tonnage of stress had her emotions all over the map praying she'd be able to slap on her detached medical persona when necessary. She set the table, wondering if she should tell him before or after dinner. Skinner chose for her, coming into the kitchen a few minutes later, acknowledging Mulder, then sitting down in a pulled-out chair. I asked the kids to stay in the living room for a minute because... Staring square at Scully, she knew what was coming. I need to know who you've identified. I haven't seen the list yet and I didn't want to until I talked to you. There have been plenty of names floating around, but I wanted to ask you first. With a nod, she moved closer, settling herself against the kitchen island, wanting the support against her back instead of surrendering to a chair, prone and below the stare of her boss and friend. Was Kimberly on that list? Before she could hesitate and flinch, she dipped her head, her quiet yes, reaching him across the kitchen. Skinner shut his eyes momentarily. Was she outside or in the building? Please, for the love of God, let her keep it professional. Parking garage. She seemed to be roughly ten feet from the bomb. She was pulled out from under one of the collapsed columns on the second floor. One accepting head shake later, he removed his glasses, pinched the bridge of his nose, met his agent's concerned stare, replaced the spectacles. Can I tell her family she died instantly? Realizing that she had to be completely honest. There was carbon and concrete dust in her lungs and some gravel-sized pieces in her stomach and windpipe. She was alive at least for a few minutes after it happened. Skinner's face hardened for a fraction, then quieted again. But can I tell her family she died instantly? The desperation to spare his secretary's loved ones moved her forward, leaned her over, shifted her arms around his shoulders to hug him, comfort this hulking Marine at a time when he looked smaller than she ever imagined possible. He accepted the contact for a short span then. I will call them after dinner. As he pulled back and recognized his world, boss mode, settling in a muscle twitch later. Scully backed off, returning to the counter. Are you allowed to officially talk to them? I don't really give a damn about official. She was one of five children. Her parents live in Arlington, and none of them have slept since it happened. I've been in contact with them already, and they deserve to know as soon as possible. She wasn't arguing his plan, and he knew it, but he apologized immediately for sounding harsh. Scully responded with an understanding nod. It's okay. I'd want to know as well. Just then, Jack walked back into the kitchen, cradling his hand, no tears, but wavering voice as he asked, Can someone get me a Band-Aid, please? Five stitches later, courtesy of Aunt Dana, they sat down to dinner. Skinner settled between Betsy and Toby, helping cut meat and spoon gravy and butter bread, doing those uncle things that he never had done before and realized he kind of enjoyed. Mr. Skimmer was hooked for life, much like the rest of them.
The phone call was difficult to say the least. But sooner than later, Skinner re-emerged from the front porch, where he'd chosen to deliver his harsh news. Eyes dry but strained, and Scully, recognizing bottomless empathy and grief, hesitantly tugged his sleeve as he walked by. How about some coffee, Walter? Maybe a donut before we head back to work. And there was a glimmer of life in him again. Just, would you please not call me Walter at work? Can you do that? Dana? He squinched his large face, forehead wrinkling in mild confusion. Forget I said that. You're Scully. Indicating a hand in Mulder's direction. He's Mulder. And pointing to himself, I'm just going to answer to whatever you call me at this point. The crowd chuckled collectively, Toby and Betsy having no idea why, but figured, what the hell? Everyone else is laughing, so will I. Skinner smiled finally. Yes, I would like some coffee and a donut, please, if you have some to spare. Scully returned a minute later from the kitchen. Here you go. Upgraded Uncle Skimmer, one coffee and one chocolate donut. And so emerged Uncle Skimmer, the tallest, scariest, most cuddly uncle, aside from Uncle Muddler, they'd ever know. With carefree round blue eyes, Betsy looked up at Skinner, I won't take no for an answer gleam holding him steady. Gonna come to dinner on Sunday, Uncle Skimmer? Aunt Maggie says everyone needs to come to Sunday dinner, and once you've had dinner here, you're always welcome back. So if you come once, you'll have to come all the time. And you ate with us tonight, so you have to come on Sunday. God love little person logic. Betsy sat next to him from that day forward. Every Sunday dinner and every holiday. Every potluck graduation party, wedding and christening for decades to come. Neither would have it any other way. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>